Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Stand with me if you would, please. Hold your Bibles up or at least cup your hand. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Uh, I will hopefully conclude this series on maturing or walking in faith and growing in faith. Uh, So many of us in our lives um, look to other people uh, to make our lives better. And certainly other people can contribute to our well-being, but we get to choose our response to life, adversity and opportunity, with or without anybody else. But immaturity oftentimes, number one, looks to circumstances, other people, or we look to put other people down so that we can feel lifted up. When you start really growing in God, you realize that he is the source of all joy, all peace, all happiness. And I'm not advocating that anybody be mean to us or, or you know, oppose us or anything like that. I, I just am saying that that's going to happen. And with that, as we mature and grow up in God, those things bother us less and less. There will always be people in your life that annoy you. Hopefully, they're not seated next to you. But there are people that will challenge this growth. Matter of fact, people will try to stunt your growth by discouraging you and keeping you from living the life that Jesus has called you to live. But now I want you to understand, not all opposition is ungodly. As a matter of fact, some of the things that oppose you are there to catapult you into your next level until you can get over someone being unkind or someone not getting on board with your dream, whatever the case may be. Those may be the kinds of people that take you to a new level. My first real encounter with understanding this principle was when I was about 24 years old, and I had a great job. I have an older brother, a younger brother, and we grew up lower middle class. And so we didn't have a lot, but we had a good family, a good home. And, and uh, my mom and dad were so thrilled when we all graduated and got jobs. <laughs> I'm just telling you, man. It was like a, you could see the, world's, the weight of the world lifted off of them. Our children are employed. <laughs> You know, and so we all had really good jobs, and and all of a sudden God swooped in and messed all that up. I, I'll never forget God putting it on my heart to do what I'm doing right now. Now, honestly, I didn't ask to be in ministry. I didn't look for places to preach. I was not a guy in pursuit of this, but I felt God in pursuit of me to do this. And so I had been working for the same company for about five years, and, and it was really a great job. I liked it. I wasn't in love with it, but I liked it, and it, it paid well. And one day, God really wrecked it 
when he said, I want you to stop what you're doing. I want you to go back and get your bachelor's degree. Little did I know I would end up getting my master's, but go back and get your bachelor's degree so that you'll have some idea of what you're going to be talking about. And so I remember being all excited. I went to my dad and 24 years old, I sat down in front of him. I said, Dad, I, I got to tell you, I feel like that God has called me to do what I told you, go back to school and, and uh, begin to preach. Well, you have to understand, my dad had a brother, grew up in a family of 12, nine siblings, including his mom and dad, there were 12 in the family. And one of his brothers was a preacher, and it was so weighed down upon him, he had a nervous breakdown. So his only frame of reference to a minister was his brother who had a nervous breakdown, and he just didn't see his life doing that well. So when I told my dad I was going to go into ministry and, and preach, my dad looked at me, and he looked straight in my face, and it wasn't being mean. He just looked at me and said, I will not support you. You know, and, and at the time, it broke my heart. As a matter of fact, I began to weep because I, I really was in desperate. I thought I was in desperate need of my dad's approval, my dad's support, my dad getting on board with me. And you could say, well, you know, that really wasn't kind of him. It was kind of him. He responded exactly as he needed to. I needed to hear from the Spirit of God, you must trust in me and not trust in man. God will call you to things that people will not support, they will not get behind, and many people stop growing. They experience spiritual paralysis where they just believe, I needed those people to be in my corner. No, those people are in your corner, but they're not going to do it for you. And they're not always going to say the right things. They're going to challenge you without knowing it. My dad, didn't, he didn't know he was challenging me. He was just responding as God ordained him to respond for me to muster up the strength to say, well, bless God, if it's just me and the Lord, we'll do it. And so sometimes we wait on people, we wait on people, we wait on people, and before you know it, you're stuck. Whatever dispensation, whatever uh, moment that was, you haven't come out of that because somebody hurt your feelings or you allowed them to hurt your feelings. You can say, well, somebody hurt my feelings. Only if you give them permission to can they hurt your feelings. And so it's, it's not, I'm not saying it's not difficult when someone attacks you or doesn't support you, but you don't have to give in to it. I had a dream. I had a goal of, of following Jesus, and I guess I just thought everybody would get happy about that. I mean, come on, man. You know, we're going we're gonna to serve the Lord. Oh, everybody's party. Let's celebrate. No, that wasn't the case, man. Wasn't the case. Like what Warren Buffett said, he said, you'll lose a lot of friends when you get serious about your life goals. That's why a Lamborghini has two seats and a bus has 50 so not everybody's going to get on board, you know, and sometimes it just needs to be you and that other passenger seat over there and say, we're going to get there. And how many of you know, when you get there, it's a lot classier in a Lambo than it is a yellow banana. And so we have to realize not everybody is going to get on the bus with you. Not everybody's going to get on board with you. In 2014, when God said, go back to Oklahoma City, or I guess that was about 2015, 2016, actually, uh, that, that God said, come back to Oklahoma City, I was perfectly fine not coming back. I was living on an island, and, and I was by myself, and I thought, well, this is going to be me and Jesus. And so, you know, I started thinking, well, who's going to be for me? But the Bible says, if God be for you, who can be against you? It doesn't say if a group of people be for you, if a whole town supports you. It says, if God be for you, who can be against you? 
about 33.2% of you got that. But please understand, don't expect everybody to make your life wonderful. We have too many people in the world today expecting their children to respect them the way they should or your wife or husband to love you the way that you think they should. And until they do, you're just not going to be good. Well, you know what? You're probably not going to be good for a really long time. Because God wants you to grow and develop in your faith and your walk with him that if the whole world stands against you, that you're not going to waver in what he's called you to do. Can you just imagine for a moment if Jesus would have decided to have a pity party on the cross? And he looks out amongst the crowd that was watching him be crucified. And every ounce of our humanity would want to say to the crowd, I didn't do it. I did nothing wrong. I've been falsely accused. What if he would have taken that moment to say, please feel sorry for me as he pled his innocence? No, he didn't. He cared more about the people down there. And he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. He didn't ask them to get on his side. He prayed that they would have an encounter with the God who put him there so that he could be raised from the dead. You can't be raised from the dead until you die. And Paul said, I die every day. I die daily. It's time to die daily so at the end of the day, Jesus can raise you up above the circumstances, the criticism, the gossip, the hatred, and all the things that you say, but I'm innocent. No, you're not. You're a sinner saved by grace. None of us are innocent. All of us are guilty. That's why Jesus died. But we spend too much time wanting somebody else to endorse our dream or support our vision. And and when they don't, we say, but God, it's their fault. No, it's your fault for not standing up. Say, come hell or high water, I will serve the Lord. No matter what comes against me. It's what we have to do. We can't sit around and wait on this world to get behind us. We have to get in front of it and hopefully they'll follow. Wait for the winds to blow in the right direction. Just turn around and go in the direction you need to go. We no longer feel the need when we're maturing to assist others in being the person that we want them to be. (laughs) Most people spend their whole life trying to get somebody else to be who they want them to be. I need you to be this for me. I need you to be that for me. And my wife's this and my husband's that. And if it wasn't for my kids and it wasn't for my job and my boss is an idiot, I can't believe he's running the company. And, and when, when I get in charge, you will never get in charge with that attitude until you can look and say, you know what? I'm going to do my job and I'm going to do it the best I can. And I don't care who says anything about me. I'm going to do the best I can. And you know what? God will promote you. God will promote you. And sometimes I've heard stories where God promoted the guy that was being abused by the boss above, and he became the boss of the guy that was abusing him. Oh, the temptation would be to rub his nose in it. But the reason God promotes you is because you won't. You will treat him the way you want to be treated. There's something in the Bible about that. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, not as they've done unto you. And so when we're maturing, these are principles that we grasp hold of. You see, right now, as we approach the end of the year, you ought to start thinking about what next year, if God doesn't come back, what next year, what you want to see happen in your life. The very first and foremost thing is not what's out there that we're pursuing, but what we are wanting to do in our hearts to grow up in God. 
to be mature and maturing to where the things that bothered me in 2022, I'm not going to let them bother me in 2023. You see, patience is not something I grew up with. I'm the guy that said, get out the way. We're going to get this done. Wait upon the Lord. Type A's don't wait on the Lord. They don't wait on nobody. And so you, you, my goal is now, one of my goals in 2023 is to not speak up when I have a really fun, good opinion or a little sarcasm. <laughs> I mean, people like me, type A's, we've always got an opinion. Most of the time, nobody asks for it, but we offer it up. So what I'm doing now is I'm trying my best. If somebody didn't ask me a question, I just shut up. You know what? When I shut up, I find out that some people are interested in what I'm thinking about. Reason nobody ever asks you any questions because they don't have to. They know that you're going to have an answer to a question they ain't not even going to ask you. So I'm trying my best just to listen I've got this new approach to things, and if somebody goes off and goes off and goes off, uh, my question is, are you finished? (laughs) So we can move on. Well, what do you think? It doesn't matter what I think. You've already formed yours. I've heard it. (laughs) And unless they're willing to change, what you have to say is not going to change them. It's going to irritate them. We all came in here today full of opinions. Full of opinions. Some of you will walk out here talking about your opinion of today's message, today's worship, things happening in the lobby. I can't believe me, 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 me. <laughs> we Christians are really funny people. We come in and we lift our hands to Jesus and go out and give sign language to drivers. <laughs> the same hands you worshiped with. It's amazing. But, but the beauty of Christianity is this. It, it's, it's not that what we do is going to get us to heaven. It's what we confess that's going to get us to heaven. Our faith in Jesus Christ, confessing him as Lord and Savior, is what gets us to that next place. Not that we're good, but he's good. Not that we make somebody else good, but that we work at judging ourselves rather than judging others. See, the reason we judge other people is if I can judge you, I feel better about me because I don't do what you do. But then you could look at me and say, but I don't do what you do either. And before you know it, we got an argument because you have this idea of what Christianity is and, and, and what religion is. And that's the reason the Sadducees and the Pharisees and there were so many different religious sects out there that they, they battled each other because they thought the other one was wrong. And we call that denominations today. You know, there, there are churches that uh, they, they, they kneel, they get up, they kneel, they get up, they kneel, they get up. It's the most fit church in the world. It's like go to church and do Pilates all at the same time. And, and so then there are other churches that don't have musical instruments, and there are other churches that sing hymns, and there are churches like ours that we never know. And, and that bothers some people because there are some people that are married to rituals. 
And it doesn't mean they're not saved, but it just means that they've decided that I'm parking my life in the box of orthodox whatever it is, and there's nothing wrong with that except when the Spirit of God comes and says, I want you to do something else, and you go, but I'm connected to the rules instead of the ruler. And that's what religion is. Religion connects us to the rules, but not to the ruler. You say, but the ruler gave the rules. Yeah, but he never meant for the rules to be worshipped. He said, I'm the ruler. I want to be worshipped. But he's not really the kind of ruler you think. He's the kind of God that says, I've given you a free will to do what you want to do. And at the end of the day and at the end of your life, it won't be me sending you to heaven or hell. It will be you choosing your final destination. That's when we know we're maturing, going, because I won't argue with anybody. People say, well, what do you believe about, you know, if, if somebody's driving down the road and, and uh, uh, you know, they're, they, they go to church and they say they're a Christian, but they're driving down the road and somebody pulls out in front of them and, and they honk and do some obscene thing and then run to a telephone pole and die, will they go to heaven? I used to get these dumb questions. There are still Pharisees in the world today. I feel sorry for Jesus when he has to sit there and these people are asking stupid questions. And so I was in theology school, and somebody thought, well, we'll pick his brain, and then we'll start a fight. Because that's what usually what people want to do when they ask you religious questions or political questions. They're really looking for a fight. Most of them are. So they said, well, what, what do you think about that if he died right after making that gesture and cussing at the driver, and then he runs into pole and dies? Where will he go? I say, he's going to heaven. Well, actually, I asked the question. I said, is he a Christian? Did he profess Christ? They said, yeah. I said, he's going to heaven. How can you say that? That's what the Bible's in. Sorry, I'm just quoting Jesus. <laughs> Bible says, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't say all those who are perfect, those who never know sign language. <laughs> he says, all who call on the name of the Lord. Now, we can alter the joy of our life. We can alter the, the peace of our lives by having wrong behavior and by being angry all the time and being judgmental we can certainly alter the peace and joy that comes in christ but the bible says nothing will separate us from the love of god now i'm not giving you a license to be stupid i don't need to you're born with it we all were and so the challenge is trying to move forward i read this quote the definition of forgiveness is it really is amazing to me spending your life trying to create a better past spending your whole life trying to create a better past in other words what you're really trying to do is you keep trying to fix all the things that you did wrong in other words you'll never get to your future because you're going back and you're apologizing for every stupid thing you've ever done and to the people you've done it to and you can apologize to some people till Jesus comes back, and they're never going to forgive you. But the minute you look to Jesus and say, Jesus, forgive me, he says, I've separated your sin as far as the east is from the west, and it'll never meet again. But what we try to do when that happens and somebody else doesn't respond the way Jesus does, rather than accepting his forgiveness, we keep pursuing the people for forgiveness. And some people just don't do it. I'm not going to spend my life trying to create a better past any more than I'm going to get scrambled eggs and try to put them back in the shell. It doesn't work. The yoke is on you. 
give me a break. I had to do it. Yeah, well, you know, my kids would say that's a dad joke, and I would say, you just don't get much, do you? You see, there are people who act right but have never confessed Christ as Lord. And there are also people who have accepted Christ as Lord and do not act right. This sounds like a biblical question. Which shall go to heaven? Well, the person who acted right, some people would say. That's what religious people, the person who acted right. No, the idiot who confessed Christ but is acting wrong. I'm telling you, the people you don't like that call themselves Christian are going to live in the second floor above your condo in heaven. And they're going to stay up all night and dance and worship over your bed head. So get in love right now. I'm telling you, it's been my experience that some of the people that in my life that I haven't liked, God actually loved them. He still does. We must be like him. It's not because we're perfect and we're good and we always act right that makes us a Christian. That's what I used to think. Don't drink, smoke, cuss, or chew, or date women who do. And certainly, some of those things are really things you don't want to do, but that's not why you're saved. You're saved because... You understand that without Christ, you're nothing. And your eternity is worse than nothing. And so when you get born again, you don't have to act right. But when you get born again, you want to act right. And when you don't act right, God has this unique way of somehow putting in your heart that you didn't act right. I've talked to people who said, when I go out to dinner and I have a bad server, you can't say waitress anymore. And you can't say stewardess anymore. They're flight attendants. They're wait staff. They're servers. We're so out there. When you go and you get bad service, one of the greatest things you can do is bless a person who doesn't deserve blessing and they know they don't. But when you bless them, it'll do more good than correcting their dumb behavior. What I'm saying is if we are maturing, we're constantly overcoming. You haven't overcome. You are overcoming. You are not mature. You are maturing. We never grow up until the day of Christ Jesus. We get hung up and we get stuck on religious things. I grew up in a church that the word backslidden was always used. And there was a season when after I got born again that I didn't know how to live for God. You know, people say, are you living for God? What's that look like? Because everybody has a different opinion of what living for God looks like. So if I could narrow it down, this is what I do now. And Billy Graham said it best. He said, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. It's God's job to judge. It's our job to love. So if I could boil it down, it's just not my job to make you feel bad or good about what you do. 
That's the Holy Spirit's job. At the end of life, it's not my job to judge. That's God's job. But during my life, my job is to love you regardless of how you act. Doesn't mean I have to be around you. Everybody should have boundaries and everybody should have filters. I'm not suggesting that you haven't forgiven someone just because you don't want to be around them anymore. I've forgiven a lot of people that I hope I don't see until heaven. (laughs) Then we'll all be glorified as well, sanctified and saved. There won't be any more stupidity. It doesn't say that. There were no tears and sickness, but I've added that. uh, Because I think in the Greek, somewhere in there, it says stupidity. I'm not sure. But when we're maturing, we're not constantly trying to create people into our image and our likeness. Religion says, I want you to conform to the image and likeness of this doctrine. The doctrine that we follow is the Bible. And the Bible says, if somebody asks you to go a mile, go two. If they ask for your shirt, give them your coat. If they hit you on one cheek, turn them, hit you on the other. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Those are things very challenging for human nature. Those are not things that we are born able to do without God. Remember, don't spend your life trying to create a better past because it never works. Every one of us today sitting in here can look back at a moment, and probably most of us, since this is Mosaic Church, can look back at moments, plural. A lot of churches, well, yeah, we just had one moment, liar, liar, pants on fire. (laughs) We've all had many moments where we went, I really wish I hadn't said that. Oops, I wish I hadn't done that. Oops. And and we live our lives going, there's not a day goes by probably unless I'm sleeping, I'm home alone, and I'm not on my phone that I don't have to live a life of constant repentance. And then even then I do because I'm a slug. But the minute that I go out in public, I subject myself to the evils of mankind. Get behind the wheel of a car, and it is sin multiplied. Man, if you don't pray in the spirit driving in Oklahoma, you need to learn how. We got more chuck holes per capita than New York City. I mean, they need to do something with our streets. Anyway, that's another, that's another sermon for another time. So we, we find ourselves over time, and, and some people, and those of you watching online right now, you've been watching online for about three years. <laughs> some people are stuck in 2020. And I've actually seen people stuck in the 70s because they have a mullet. (laughs) There are two things that should never come back. Polyester leisure suits for men and mullets. But some people are stuck in 2020 in the pandemic. You got stuck in the vortex of a disease and you've never come out of it. You keep swirling around. I'm not going to the store. Yeah, I'm not going to church. Yeah, but I'll go to Walmart. My goodness, the CDC has a heyday with Walmart. I go in and take pictures. (laughs) Walmart is the greatest free entertainment on earth. And this time of year is really great with Halloween costumes. You don't know if that's what they're really wearing or they're going to a party. (laughs) 
It is absolute. And so we're challenged by the external things of life to, to, to obey the internal things of God. They oppose one another. And, and so we have to choose wisely and we have to choose carefully. Remember, we worship the ruler, not the rules. The letter of the law kills, the spirit gives life. Doesn't mean that the, the rules of God or the laws of God are not good. That's not what I'm saying. But Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, which means now if Christ is in you, the fulfillment of the law is also resident in you, in that Jesus fulfilled it, and now you're resting on his success, on his completion, on his fulfillment. And now, because of that, you are forgiven for all the things that happen. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't consequences. If you're going 85 in a 25-mile-an-hour school zone flashing, you're going to jail. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and it's not God's fault that you have a heavy foot and you're blind. I'm not suggesting that we get by scot-free doing what we want to do, but I am saying when we're led by the Spirit of God, the things of God happen in us, through us, and for us. <laughs> Hebrews 6 says, so come on, let's leave the preschool finger painting exercises on Christ and get on with the grand work of art, grow up in Christ. This is out of the Message Bible. The basic foundational truths are in place. Turning your back on salvation by self-help and turning in trust toward God. That's growing up. He says the foundational principles, such as baptismal instructions, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal life, those things are solid. Those are done. He said, now, quit arguing over those things, because religious groups used to argue about those things and over those things. He said, those are fundamental. Those are foundational. He says, grow up in Christ. Quit arguing about the little things. I used to argue about all kinds of things. You know, well, do you believe in laying hands on the sick and they'll recover? Well, there are certain denominations. If you lay hands on the sick, you're going to be sick because you're gone. And I believe the Bible says lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. I believe in that. But am I going to argue with somebody who doesn't believe in that? No, I'm just going to let them be sick and keep on living healthy. Now, I'm, I, I, don't, don't judge. What I mean is you can't make someone believe what you believe and just to get them to believe what you believe so you can get along. Get along anyway. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to believe in the Spirit of God. I'm going to believe in healing. I'm going to believe in miracles. I'm going to believe in the joy of the Lord. I'm going to believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to believe that prayer changes things. And if you want to live by happenstance and randomly and lucky and all those things, go for it, Junior. I'm going to choose God. And if you don't, I'm going to love you. We're going to get along, and, and, and I'm going to watch you. <laughs> I'm just telling you, you can live a joy-filled life believing everything in the Bible. You say, well, I've never seen a miracle. Well, keep on looking. Some of y'all go to the mailbox thinking you're going to win the lottery or whatever it is you get in the mailbox. Now, you get scratch off. This is my ticket. <laughs> Probably not. Everybody goes to Las Vegas. It's the only city built by losers. I ain't mad at you, but I'm just saying. You, some of y'all helped them build those buildings. Woo! 
It is the mark of great personal maturity when you bear with the imperfections of others. There are things in people's lives around me that I look at from my perspective and I would like to see change. But that's only my perspective. You don't know everybody's story. I don't know everybody's story. So what happens if we all just love each other and get along? See, some people feel, and I used to have this Messiah complex. When I would go witnessing, I expected people to get born again. And if they continued to not want to pray with me, I would resort to almost anything to get them saved. Witnessing in downtown Tulsa one night, 2 a.m., I, nobody, I was witnessing, I was, you know, I was a zealous young Christian, and, and I, nobody was, even would pray with me. And finally, I, I caught a homeless lady robbing a parking meter, which they don't have anymore. That tells you how old I am. This is back, I think we almost got run over by a dinosaur. But, so she's robbing a parking meter, and I thought, I went up to her, and I said, I said, hey, you know, I'm sharing Jesus with her. And, and she wasn't having it. And I said, what about if I paid you? I think I gave her five bucks to accept Christ. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she didn't. But I felt better because somebody finally prayed the sinner's prayer with me. <laughs> yeah, you say, you're silly. I know I am. I mean, I, I've gone through my life trying to figure out how to walk with Jesus and, and love people, and most of the time, my joy and my success was measured by somebody else's response to me instead of Jesus' life that was given for me. You see, somebody's response to you doesn't make you better. What makes you better is Jesus and Christ alone. That's all that makes any of us better. And it's nice when people are for us. I love it. People look at me, they say, you like conflict? I'm an A-type, so everybody thinks A-type people love conflict. I hate conflict. But God knows I'm not afraid of it. I don't like it. So what I've learned is to minimize conflict by not walking in to storms that don't belong to me. Every now and then, I just sit and watch the twister go by. Used to, I'd go try to rope it. And now I put my rope away and just sit in the pickup with the gun rack and watch it go by. You know, when we were kids, man, the school I went to, we would all be in jail today because everybody had a gun rack with a gun on it. I mean, it's so bizarre where we've come from, you know, where we are today. It's like, man, that was a part of our life. If you didn't have a pickup truck and a dog in the back and a gun rack with a gun in it, you might just keep on driving through my neighborhood. <laughs> you know, really what people are looking for today, that we have a desperate society. got to bring hope to the hopeless love to the unloved mercy and grace to those who have self-judged to give people any hope at all you see 
when we speak to people, we'll speak up to them or we'll speak down to them. And there are times that all of us deserve to be spoken down to, but Jesus didn't speak down to us. He spoke up to us, which is the series I'll start next week, What's Up? Or I can go, What's Up? prayer I have is that those of you stuck in 2020, still at home in your pajamas on the sofa, watching us online, I'm thrilled that you're watching. I really am. And and from my perspective, it's fine because, but from your perspective, you can worship from home, but you can't serve from home. You can be loved at home, but you need to be out showing the love of God to other people. And it's important that we realize that it is going to take something for us to get back up, get back out, and create routines and disciplines that bless our lives. As a matter of fact, I'll close with what I was going to open with. That's the way I work. <laughs> Story my mother's in heaven going, Jesus, help him. Maturing simply means steady application of spiritual discipline. A steady application of spiritual discipline or disciplines. Steady, not perfect, steady. So that would be my goal in life is not to be here or here, but to have a steady walk with God. Thank you, brother. Steady walk with God. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your patience, your grace, your mercy upon us. God, we never arrive until the day you come. That's what your word says in Philippians 1.6. You who began a good work in us will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Keep perfecting us, God. We're not going to quit on you, and we're sure you're not going to quit on us. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to ask all of you to pray this prayer with me. Those of you at home, those of you in-house, pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for loving me so much that you gave your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. I declare today I'm born again. Amen. 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 If you prayed that prayer for the first time, please text us, 405-513-10. Just text the word SAVED. This is a big step for you because this will start you the ball rolling of you not being ashamed of the decision you made, knowing that everybody needs Jesus. Some people are just mad at him, thinking he's the problem. He's why my life's in disarray. My life is no good. No, that's the devil. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. So God is for you. Will you be with him or removed from him? That's your choice because he's calling on you, okay? Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.